0: Twenty one CL radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life Podcast with host Andy Vasquez. Hello everybody, welcome to my Run Your Life podcast series. I'm with my good friend, wife and life partner, Nila Steele. Uh, We are in Monterosso, Italy, which is located in a beautiful, and when I say beautiful, you cannot imagine how beautiful it is unless you've seen pictures of it or you have been here yourself. But it's located in Cinque Terre, Uh, Italy, which is the land of five villages. You can hear the the Christmas, or not the Christmas, but the church bells uh, in the background. We are uh, currently recording live in an Airbnb apartment uh, in the fishing village. Uh, Nila Steele, how about just saying a few words about our journey so far in Italy, and uh, anything you want to share with everybody before we begin?
1: Well, we're... As you said, we're here in Italy with our two boys, Ila and Ty, and uh, the family vacation is off to a great start with... um, Andy and I have both been to Cinque Terre before in 2009, but it's the first time our boys are experiencing Italy, and uh, Ty is a big foodie. His question is always, where and what are we going to eat next? And uh, Eli is just looking at all the different things, appreciating lots of beautiful things. And uh, they certainly are, are cultivating a great taste for real, authentic Italian food. Yeah, it's been... As are we. Yeah, as yes. are we.
0: It's been amazing. Um, we are going to be here for a couple more days, then we're headed back to Milan, And then we head to Germany. How lucky we are to experience these things! But we're headed to Germany to meet up with some friends, and then we're going to hop a plane to Paris for New Year's Eve, which will be super cool as well. Um, But for we just wanted to give you a little bit of uh, just a little bit of feel into where we are right now and what we're experiencing before we begin this uh, episode. But. Uh, as always, uh, just a little backstory into what Four Times Mindfulness is all about. Neela Steele and I share two things each that resonate with us, that really stick with us in regards to uh, living a mindful life. And what we've learned in general is that there are no definitive answers or explanations or definitions of what mindfulness is. And mindfulness is what you make of it and and what inspires you about it. Um, so for Neil and I, it's just, you know, finding these little seeds of inspiration. And oftentimes we don't know what we're going to share in our episodes. We have a really quiet 30 minutes before we record. We invest a lot of time and energy into it. Um and we're usually in the same room for 30 minutes before we record. And we're just really gathering our thoughts and what it is we want to share. And um, so that's what Four Times Mindfulness is all about. And I guess I will begin with the first seat of mindfulness that we want to share with everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first seat of mindfulness is uh, actually from a Tony Robbins podcast. Uh, Tony Robbins, everybody, uh, many people know who Tony Robbins is, but um, he's an incredible, uh, inspirational person who has connected with some amazing people. And uh, in a podcast a a couple months ago, Tony played audio, uh, kind of an audio file or audio clip of a interview that he did with Coach John Wooden the uh, well-respected, world-famous coach of uh, the UCLA uh, college team, uh, basketball team. Uh, Coach John Wooden uh, was the head coach of the UCLA basketball team for 28 years. An incredibly insightful man, but in, in Tony's podcast, he actually... Uh, recorded John Wooden 28 years ago or 25 years ago or something. So uh, the podcast is actually taken from uh, a recording uh, two decades prior. But it, it, Tony Robbins just wanted to share his conversation with John Wooden and uh, kind of what drove John Wooden towards personal and professional excellence and the attitude and philosophy that he had about developing athletes. Uh, To give you a little bit of backstory into Coach John Wooden from UCLA, over his 28-year career, he won 664 games and lost 162, which is an 80.4% winning average. But that's not the uh, most amazing statistic about John Wooden. In John Wooden's last 12 years as coach of UCLA, he actually won 10 NCAA championships. Uh, he produced amazing basketball players that went on to be all stars in the NBA, such as Kareem Abdul Jabbar, um, many others as well. But regardless of who, who it is that, uh, was coached by John Wooden, they all have similar stories about the way he coached. And what I want to share with you today is something that he shared with Tony uh, two decades ago in the podcast that he had recorded. And it is his seven-point creed. And it's kind of a a creed that he lived by from the time he was about 13 or 14. Mm -hmm. Um, Tony asked him where he got this creed from, from, and uh, John Wooden uh, said that it was his father that when John Wooden graduated from grade eight, he he gave him this creed and he explained it to him. And he said, if you live your life by these principles, you will always be happy, successful, and productive. And John Wooden, from that day, lived by those principles. So the seven-point creed, okay, so I'll just quickly go through them. Um, There are seven things here. The number one thing is to be true to yourself. How simple that is. I don't even need to explain what that is or what that means because I'm sure everybody understands. But number one, be true to yourself. Number two, make each day your masterpiece. Number three, always strive to help others in whatever it is you do personally and professionally, that that you should always strive to help other people. Number four, drink deeply from good books. Mm-hmm. So nourish your soul, nourish your mind with, with good books, whatever those good books are, fiction, nonfiction, whatever it is, but to drink deeply from good books. Number five, make friendship of fine art. And I think being in Italy, um, a few days ago, we stayed in the art district. Uh, we had a great little Airbnb there. We rented there smack dab in the center of the art district. And just walking the streets of the art district, you just see art everywhere. Beautiful art. And we actually went to go see... Um, Leonardo da Vinci's, uh, the museum that has Leo, Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper painting, but it was sold out, mm. and we wanted the boys to see that. But it's just that idea of really not just looking at art, but really appreciating it and and trying to understand it and and have your own perspective on it. But I think that's what connected with um, the number five uh, thing from the the Seven Point Creed, Make friendship with f- fine art. Um, number six, build shelter against a rainy day. So obviously, have tools in place that allow you to address adversity and obstacles, and and to always be ready to face challenge with tools that allow you to overcome those challenges. And number seven is pray for guidance. And give thanks for your blessings, which Um, is gratitude, which is gratitude. So I guess when hearing John Wooden and he was probably in his 80s when he recorded this podcast with Tony Robbins. But when hearing John Wooden just go through those seven things, he has lived his life for decades embracing them. There is no question about his actions or what he did on a day-to-day basis because everything fell within those seven things, and there were times that it didn't, but he was able to draw himself back to what was most important to him. And I guess when I listened to the podcast and I heard him, you know, eighty-year-old John wouldn't explain, you know, how he lived his life through through the seven-point creed. <coughs> It made me realize that I don't have a creed of my own.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah, yeah, that
0: that I have fundamental principles that I believe that I live by, but I haven't taken, it's not that I haven't taken the time, but I, I haven't narrowed down and filtered down to what my seven-point creed or five-point creed or four-point creed would mm-hmm. be, whatever that is. But in moving forward and taking action on living a, a more... Uh, sort of mindful life mindful rewarding life Mm -hmm. you have to live by a set of principles uh, to be guided by so that's kind of my goal in going into the new year is is to really refine what my fundamental principles are and to kind of create my own seven point creed that i live by that i want to share with others and share with my boys and and obviously talk to you about it every day
1: and that might be something for a future podcast to share your own, um, seven point creed.
0: For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, again, I'm sharing this to challenge myself and to put it out there that I need to get better at, at, um, kind of refining the, the vision that I have. And this is a great way to challenge myself to create my own, um, Whatever number point creed it is, but to to create my own creed that will um, help me uh, focus a little more on the things that matter the most.
1: That's a good exercise for what what resonates with you and what, as well, that you said that you want to sort of let the boys know. And together, maybe as a couple, we could create our own our own creed as a couple, and then individually. For
0: sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, that's what I wanted to share with you. I hope you found that useful. I'll put um, a link to Tony Robbins' podcast with John Wooden in the show notes of this podcast, and I really uh, encourage you to listen to it. Um, but that's the first seat of mindfulness. And I'm going to hand it over to Neela Steele for the second seat of mindfulness for today.
1: So, the second seat of mindfulness. Since we've mentioned that we're in Italy. Um, I was reading one of the guidebooks that we're, we're going through and was reminded of a phrase that I first heard in, or first read in the novel Eat, Pray, Love by, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, I think the author is. Mm-hmm. And, and the phrase in Italian is, uh, dolce far niente, which translates into the sweetness of doing nothing. And this is such a fine art because as we are here in this new place and we're traveling and we're seeing things with new eyes and experiencing everything, um, food lover's delight, beverages, sights and sounds, the, the contrast of us living in Saudi in the desert, and then how refreshing it is to be to be chilled and cold, and have to wear beanies and toques, and so before I get away too much from that, uh, the the art or the act or the practice of mindfulness is is sometimes as simple as just taking ten minutes from your day to do nothing, and to do nothing means uh, nothing digital. Not reading, not writing, not, not eating, um, just taking a timer, placing it for 10 minutes, and just allowing yourself to sort of settle in the here and the now, because we are so unfamiliar with trying to be in the moment. And it also connects to another TED Talk that uh, I love, which is Andy Puticomi, who is the creator of the Headspace app and his Ted talk. It's, it's titled something like, uh, all it takes is 10 minutes. And in it, he just reiterates that really investing in this time to do nothing and to permit yourself to be with yourself in the present moment will really allow you, um, a greater sense of focus, calm and clarity. And really who doesn't want that in their lives? Who do you know that doesn't want to feel a little less frantic and frazzled and who doesn't want to experience even on a a very superficial level, just a little bit of ease and then inviting more sort of, deeper, calm tranquility. And it sounds so simple, this uh, dolce farniente, the sweetness of doing nothing. And especially during this time, uh, pre- Christmas season, pre- winter holidays, when everything is sort of going to happen on the 24th or the 25th, I'm assuming for you or your families. Just remember to be easy with yourself and and ten minutes is a very um,
0: achievable yeah, yeah amount
1: of time to sort of just do nothing.
0: I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago and the guest of the podcast has a four and one rule okay which was it's from the Michael Gervais podcast, mm-hmm. the Indian author. And what he, the guest talked about was he works four years and he, he is now in his third cycle of, or fourth cycle of this. So he has literally done this three times before. So you work for four years, you yeah. work your ass off for four years. Okay. You you just devote yourself to your work in every sense of the word. You save your money and then after the fourth year, you take a you take a one year sabbatical, right? And during that one year sabbatical, you have no goals. Okay, you do nothing. Yeah, for a year. And he has done this. He now has kids, so his next sabbatical will be with a a four and a three year old or something. maybe uh, the first or the last sabbatical was when he had really young kids. I don't quite remember, but he understands with bringing kids into it that this will mean that he will remove them from school and like he said his his next uh one year off is to go uh live in an orphanage in Cambodia wow with his family so I guess that's a a goal but but during that year it's sort okay. of an
1: austere existence yeah. yeah
0: and he lives a life of poverty during that year or or minimal existence right mm-hmm. um, but it's that same idea that he encourages people to do and my takeaway from from that podcast was that not everybody is able to do that but you can certainly carve out 10 minutes to have a coffee outside in the snow with a winter jacket on and a toque mhm um, <laughs> to just sit and just be present and enjoy your coffee without, as you say, ruminating about the past or projecting into the future. So um, it is very valuable. And just being here in Italy, last night we went to a, a little uh, cafe around the corner and there were a few Italians in there, local Italians, that uh, were obviously done their coffee. Yeah. Yeah. But yet they just sat there in a very relaxed way. Yeah, they sort of, they sort of lingered, right, right. And just, just chatting. And, and that's the, the sense you get from, um, you know, being in this culture is that that is very meaningful. And it's that kind of, that connection and just being at ease with others and enjoying the company of others, right? Or enjoying the company of yourself and not, not always feeling though as though you have to be around others.
1: I specifically love seeing the sights of older Italian men hanging out outside the the churches or the cafes. And again, it's this lingering uh, art of conversation and enjoying good coffee. And you rarely see anybody walking around with a portable cup having their coffee it's all everybody is up at the cafe and talking and good morning and it it seems a lot more um social yeah and a lot more pleasant yes they take the time to do it so um
0: so what is your ultimate challenge for the people listening to this
1: set uh set any amount of time from, you know, one to ten minutes. That's not a lot to, to alter your life dramatically. But if you can, it is really sort of an act in self care because what you're going to get out of that ten minutes uh, of just doing nothing, the, the sweetness of doing nothing and just familiarize yourself with the present moment. And aim to lengthen that goal. So, if you start with a three-minute target, aim to extend it to, you know, five, eight, ten, fifteen minutes, and uh, see see what comes out of that. Excellent. Yes. And the third seat of mindfulness now is back to Andy Vasley.
0: Okay. Third seat of mindfulness. This is kind of a, uh, you know, I thought about this what i was going to talk about today and i guess being in in italy has reminded me about how much i appreciate food and how much i love cooking and it's my second time in italy and when we came back in 2009 Mm -hmm. uh, we came for our ninth wedding anniversary it was hilarious kind of because we came for our ninth wedding anniversary and we were staying in the next village over which we hiked to today which was a two-hour hike uh tremendous uh beautiful hike through the kind of mountains and the vineyards and into this other village but we stayed in the other other village and when we had arrived um back in 2009 just neil and i the boys were uh, two and four at the time or mm-hmm. something and they stayed back and we were living in Azerbaijan at the time and they stayed with um, some friends that were looking after them and we felt guilty, but we just thought we're going to embrace this moment. We flew to Milan and came down here. So we go to this cafe and we have this amazing pizza and Neela's writing postcards and being a cook myself, uh, you know, I was, uh, fascinated by the pizza and i was like talking to the owner and then the owner invited me uh, back into the kitchen and there was three older italian women Mm. cooking the pizzas and i sat there for probably at least an hour even more with my journal taking photos watching them make pizza and the owner was bringing me wine and and just letting me just observe and learn So I'm returned back to that moment being in Italy about just really putting love and appreciation into food. And what really connects and resonates with me is actually a scientific experiment to back up this third seed of mindfulness that I want to share. And this scientific experiment was um, done by Dr. Masaru Emoto from uh, Yokohama, Japan. Um, he was born in 1943 and he was a graduate of the Yokohama Municipal University Department of Humanities and Sciences. Um, and, and what he, he did, he became fascinated with, um, kind of that idea of alternative, uh, medicine and alternative medical pra- uh, practice. And he really began to, uh, focus on water i'm actually going to share a youtube link to his work and i'm just going to read out a little uh, explanation from the youtube clip about who he is in the work that he does and it says that he undertook extensive research of water around the planet not so much as a scientific researcher but more from the perspective of an original thinker At length, he realized that it was in the frozen crystal form that water showed us its true nature through. He has gained worldwide acclaim through his groundbreaking research and discovery that water is deeply connected to our individual and collective consciousness. The amazing thing about his his work is that a lot of his research was about exposing water in general. So you imagine having, um, you know, a a bowl of water or a bucket of water or a, you know, whatever it is, uh, a container of water in front of you and you expose it to genuine feelings and emotions. And his research has shown that the molecules of that uh, of the water actually change form and what he did was he took this water and he he would freeze crystals of water and then put them under a microscope and when water was exposed to emotions such as love kindness generosity compassion empathy those types of things it actually formed in beautiful ways so that when he put it under the microscope, these molecules were like beautiful displays of, um, just the, the, of, of their existence. Yeah. As opposed to when water was exposed to hatred and anger and, and different types of, uh, aggression, they actually didn't even form as a crystal that they, um, when there are foes, uh, actually I'll read there, from it. There's when, when images water, of it yeah, well, yeah, right, when you sure. look it up, yeah. So when water samples were bombarded with heavy metal music or labeled with negative words or when negative thoughts and emotions were focused intentionally upon them, such as Adolf Hitler, the water did not form crystals at all and displayed chaotic, fragmented structures. So it's an extensive study and neil and i a few years ago after first hearing ab- about this study um we actually kind of had this little water blessing so we took our, our filtered water you know we had our water cooler in our the house, water dispenser yeah. and we actually wrote on the water dispenser we drew pictures of different Just messages messages and stuff like that and it was kind of a way for us to bless the the water and to be kind to it, whatever And it sounds corny to a lot of people, but (laughs) I was really moved by this, uh, this, uh, professor Masaru Emoto's work. So in taking that one step further and, and going back full circle, circle to Italian food and my love of cooking over the last several years, you know, I do a lot of cooking for my family. I actually bless my food mm-hmm. when I cook it and I take a lot of time to cook my food and cook the food for my family. And and I always say to people that come over to eat that I give my food a lot of love. And I do, I literally do because I believe that obviously water is in everything and water is in food. Mm-hmm. So if I am being cognizant of the the power that, that water holds, and how our emotions can impact water, based on the scientific research. Then I am blessing my food, and my food will respond. And it sounds corny, and I'm going on and on and on, but oh. I truly believe that. Um, yeah, I truly believe in the in the power of I taking can, your time with food,
1: and we we can taste it. We can taste it. Andy has three very harsh critics with food, but we often can feel and taste the love in the food and the dishes that you make. And I I think with you saying that, with just the way that um, Dr. Emoto's uh, study was conducted, I think it's a reminder, especially during this time of, of excess and and many indulgences, that it's Easy, or it takes just as much energy energy to bash your body as it does bless or appreciate. Mm-hmm. And it again, you said that the the water the we are made up of what seventy five percent water eighty
0: percent whatever it is,
1: and yeah. every single cell in our body can sort of take in that vibration and that blessed water and the food and it connects to everything to mindful eating who has prepared this food for me uh where has it come from where uh, and what and how has it been prepared so during this holiday season when if you're fortunate enough to have an abundance of food it's also a reminder to just pick your thoughts Carefully, because your body is listening to that yeah. absolutely,
0: and that's that's actually i'm glad you mentioned that because that is uh a, an extension of this scientific research is mm-hmm. that how you um, the water within your body the 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 feelings that you have I think he might have done studies on this as well that he's taken molecules from the body and he has actually like shown the same kind of things you know so your the water within your body responds, so I guess the church bells are going kind of so beautiful but um I guess that's that's my big thing is that just taking the time to appreciate food and when you're cooking food, just take a little extra time to be mindful of the food you're preparing and to give appreciation and, and love and to give gratitude for having that good food and being in a position to take the time to be able to cook it for whoever it is you're cooking for, whether it be yourself, whether it be your family mm-hmm. and friends. So that's a, a long, rambling, roundabout message about <laughs> Dr. Yamoto's study, but the power of
1: um, um, preparing know, preparing, and and and, eating and, your food and life. My-
0: being uh, really giving a lot of gratitude for food. So, oh, moving on yes, to the fourth seed of mindfulness. Yes, the fourth the
1: fourth seed of, yes, of mindfulness is taken from um, a Sanskrit greeting, which is Namaste. And uh, Namaste. The first time I heard Namaste was again at the end of a yoga class, and it was a greeting that was never really explained to me so i had an idea to um to look it up and whenever i finish my yoga classes i not only say the greeting but there's a a hand mudra that goes with the greeting and the hand mudra is is anjali mudra where you press your palms together and then you partner your hands to your heart and uh It's a very peaceful Hanbudra. And so, namaste, I've taken this off the internet, and I tried to look up who was responsible for for writing it, and I couldn't find who to credit. So if you do see this, and you do look it up, and you do find who is responsible for it, uh, let me know. Because I would love to credit the person who wrote these words. So the, I'll read what the greeting namaste means. And there are a number of um, translations. But this one I really like and I say when I finish the yoga class. And that is, my soul recognizes your soul. I honor the love, light, beauty, truth, and kindness within you because it is also within me. And in sharing these things, there is no distance and no difference between us. We are the same. We are one. Namaste. So one of the ways that I use this Namaste greeting is throughout my day, if I am shopping or on the streets, I try to make some eye contact with strangers or with my loved ones. And I remind myself of this greeting and placing my hands together at my heart, I take a mental image of that and I, I don't always do it physically, but I take a mental image and just by reminding myself that I am honoring love, light, beauty, truth, and kindness that is within me reminds me to be more empathetic towards strangers and to bring about a sense of goodwill. And I know during this this holiday and this these travel plans that we've had, we're in this really great mood, and we're not always going to be uh, treated with the same uh, reciprocal mood. Mm-hmm. And... And just the other day, um, Andy and I went into a shop and we're in Cinque Terre, which is, um, you know, flooded with tourists during the high season. So, we feel a little bit like people are a tiny bit...
0: Because it's not busy at all right now.
1: Yeah. And uh, we just had an interaction at a grocery store and the two guys behind the counter were just sort of surly. And uh, instead of getting angry and reacting with, oh, well, you're not giving me the service that I've paid for. Um, I just took a moment and thought to myself, well, uh, my soul still recognizes their souls, even if they're feeling tired or they've had a long day at work. And You said
0: it, Merry Christmas to them. I did. I yeah. just
1: said Merry Christmas and... Um, it, it wasn't condescending. It wasn't, uh, with any sort of ill intent. Um, I think this practice just helps me to remember that not everybody has, uh, the, the benefit or the luxury of traveling to different places and enjoying the sights and sounds with their family in another country like Italy. So, my challenge for the listeners, I guess, is to just pick maybe three people throughout your day. You, you don't have to plan. You might just think if it's, if it's short and sweet and namaste and you remind yourself that there is a divine and good in all people and you pick three people throughout your day to wish them well, to wish them goodwill and ease and peace uh, that might help you remind yourself to take care of yourself and to take care of others and to take care of the interactions that you have throughout your day with strangers. And that's our fourth seed of mindfulness. But you don't,
0: you don't have to, before closing off here, you don't have to physically say something. You can just think it. It's,
1: yeah, right? it's, yes.
0: So if you come across a challenging person
1: or somebody who's, or somebody rude, somebody to you. who's
0: rude to you, Uh, the example you gave the two guys in the grocery store, I mean, they were quite rude, you know, um, and Italians are warm and generous and kind. So it really stuck out, um, and was really, uh, we were very aware of that, you know, and they just kind of gave us the bag for the groceries and made us bag our own groceries and didn't say anything to us. And, uh, I was put off by it, but I didn't say anything. And, and you responded in that way, um, but I think that again, you don't have to necessarily say something. You don't have to, you know, do something to to recognize it. If you want to, go ahead. But you just sort you of can pause just and... you can think it even. Mm-hmm. But just taking the time to think that um, you know you're the same as me, and that you know I'm the same as you, and there really is no difference between us. We are the same. Mm. And I think that's a, a challenging thing to do in challenging situations. But when you do do it, and you mean it, it can it can obviously make you feel good and, and make a difference. Hopefully,
1: mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. So we do our. Um, we'll
0: do our. We're going to do our wrap our, um, up. Our wrap up, and then you're going to do your loving kindness thing to uh, close people yes. off for of the uh, Christmas season. That's my intention. So uh, as always, we're going to finish our episode off with um, a wrap up. So the first thing uh, that I shared was the John Wooden story from the Tony Robbins podcast, and John Wooden's seven point creed that he lived by, and it was a reminder. To myself, that, um, you know, I, I really want to create my own creed to live by and, uh, to really filter down what's most important to me and to live more closely to those principles, uh, as we move forward, uh, into the new year. So that was the first seed of mindfulness. The second?
1: The second was, uh, the Italian phrase dolce far niente the sweetness of doing nothing. The challenge is for you to embrace uh, up to 10 minutes throughout your day to just practice the art of doing nothing at all and taking some time to breathe and be very mindful of the life that you are currently leading.
0: And the third seat of mindfulness was the uh, Dr. Emoto study with uh, water and that uh, he has gone into years of research into, you know, that idea of passing on good feelings and thoughts and compassion and empathy to water and how it actually scientifically changes shape uh, in a beautiful way. As opposed to when exposed to anger and aggression and other things, that it doesn't even come together and create a shape. So it's quite an amazing study, and I extended that over to the to the uh, kind of the the love of cooking that I have, and and really taking time with cooking and being aware and present. And I challenge people to do the same when you cook for your loved ones or yourself. To um, really be aware that food is precious, and to give gratitude for it, put
1: the love into it,
0: and it will hopefully change the, the molecules of the food mm-hmm. as it uh, as you digest it. So, um, <laughs> the fourth seat,
1: the fourth seat of mindfulness is the Sanskrit greeting Namaste, and to read it once again, my soul recognizes your soul. I honor the love, light beauty, truth, and kindness within you because it is also within me. And in sharing these things, there is no difference and no difference between us and no distance. We are the same. We are one. Namaste. And to close this holiday uh, podcast, Andy and I are sending out uh, Metta, which is loving kindness to you all. It is... May you be free from internal and external harm. May you have a calm, clear mind and a peaceful, loving heart. May you be physically vital, strong and healthy. And may you experience love, joy, wisdom, and wonder in this world as it is. Wishing you all a very merry Christmas. And uh, strive to be mindful and present.
0: Thank you, everybody, for listening to our 12th episode of Four Times Mindfulness. Uh, We really do hope you enjoy the holidays and have a wonderful time with family and friends. Thanks for listening, and we hope you come back to listen to future episodes. Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Vasquez check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.